Hi, this is Robbie from LA. Jed Bartlett is my president is a Chipperish Media production and is entirely funded by listeners like you. To support Chipperish and gain access to exclusive content, please visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Hi, and welcome to Jed Bartlett is My President, a podcast about the West Wing and denial. My name is Lonnie Diane Rich, and every week I take an in-depth look at an episode of the West Wing along with a special guest. And for a little while, we pretend that the worst thing happening in the White House right now is the president suggesting that someone is dumber than he is. This week's episode is the U.S. Poet Laureate, the 17th episode of season three. And here to talk with me about it is my special guest and my daughter, Sarah Schwalbe. Sarah has been thinking about politics and storytelling since she was a little girl. Like y'all, she got mad at me at first for ruining all of her stories by talking about antagonists and motivation, but now she's just as much a story nerd as anyone else. She plans on studying folklore when she goes to college next year, and it is so great to have her on the show. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, it's great to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. It's really, really fun. This is the first time we've ever actually done a full podcast together. Yeah. I've, I've had you hop in every now and again. I believe there were a couple <laughs> episodes of Will Write for Wine where you came in and were like, uh, why are you ignoring me and drinking wine with your friends? <laughs> um, but that was that was a long time ago. And I think that you've grown up really well, despite your terrible, terrible parenting. Hey, you're cool. <laughs> uh, you're very sweet. Okay, so I have a question specifically for you. Yes. All right. As someone who is very recently eligible to vote, does watching The West Wing make you excited to learn about the issues and make your voice heard? Yes, it definitely does. I mean, like... Mostly when I think about politics, I think about the issues that interest me, like gender issues and LGBT plus mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So learning about all these other issues like energy stuff and the landmines in Korea, which we mm -hmm. talked about this episode, that sort of um, made me realize that there's a lot more going on and a lot more to think about. And it's very exciting and it's sort of opened my eyes, I guess, to all the different stuff that's going on in politics that yeah. I should be aware of. There are a lot of things that you got to keep in mind before you vote, and I am very excited for you to be voting! Yeah! <laughs> this episode aired on March 27th, 2002, the day after my special guest's third birthday, and was written by Aaron Sorkin, with a story by credit to Laura Glasser, and was directed by Christopher Missiano. Now, in this episode, we see Josh struggling with the ego mind screw that is internet fame as he visits a website called lemonlimon.com. I didn't go there because I typed the web address with a comma instead of a period, <laughs> so it just did a regular Google search, and I'm really, really glad that it did because the first link went to a Reddit board, uh, which said that basically if you go to that website, it will install a virus on your computer, <laughs> so I'm glad that my, my poor typing actually uh, got me out of that one. Um, it used to be owned by Warner Brothers back in the day, but they apparently let it lapse 15 years of 10 dollars a year to keep that domain registered was apparently a bit too much for for their budget concerns. Um, but when I went to whois.net to check out who owned it, I discovered that the domain is registered to someone in China and is actively for sale for the low, low price of $7,000. <laughs> so if anyone out there is interested in buying the domain and creating a fan site for Josh Lyman, don't do it. Put that money in a retirement account or something. There's got to be. A, go to Disney World. There's got to be something better that you can do right. with that money. But that is your Jed Bartlett is my president PSA for the day. Do not 
visit lemonlimon.com. It is not worth the risk. <laughs> All right, let's go to the synopsis. In this episode of The West Wing, the president takes a shot at Governor Ritchie's intelligence while on a hot mic. Josh learns the agony and the ecstasy of internet fandom. Toby argues and flirts with Tabitha Fortas, the U.S. Poet Laureate. Sam flirts and argues with Ainsley Hayes. And CJ proves once again to be the smartest and most capable person in the Bartlett administration. All right, so I guess we can get started talking about stuff. But first, I would like to point out for anybody there at home, if you should hear pages turning in the background, it is because my dear daughter, <laughs> who apparently was raised by somebody other than me, <laughs> is taking notes longhand in a notebook. She's my little Luddite. That's Sarah Schwalbe. <laughs> so we open this episode with the presidential gaffe, right? He's on a hot mic um, and he says, you know, some, some very cutting words about Governor Ritchie. Yes. I mentioned Governor Ritchie's book because I was hoping you'd rise to the bait. There'll be plenty of bait in September, October. Have you read the book? I'll read it when he does. What's your read on him so far? I don't know, Leslie. I think we might be talking about a 22 caliber mine and a 357 Magnum world. All right. So what did you think about uh, about the president's, you know, slip up? Um, well, I mean, I thought that was like interesting. I remember thinking the whole green light, red light thing was pretty subtle. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. And I noticed that it was still on while he was talking. Um I thought particularly, like, the whole big political dance they had to do afterwards was mm -hmm. interesting. Um, and how CJ handled it, like, artfully. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we did a lot of really good stuff with CJ, and this storyline in particular, but pretty much everywhere she went. Yeah. You know, she, she owned every room she was in in yes. this episode, which was pretty fantastic. Um, so... We go through this whole thing with the president, right? He's he's did this gaffe. We've got this whole thing coming up with the Republicans. The Republicans are holding this whole press conference. He at first, you know, tells Leo that he's going to go and, and, you know, and use the time and then decides not to, that they're going to actually deal with the issues instead really? of responding to the Republicans, you know, hissy fit over over a dumb man being called dumb, you know? Yes. Um, so I thought that that was really fun. And then we have that moment. At the end, I love the subtlety of this. We have this this quick moment in the middle where CJ is talking to Toby, mm -hmm. and she's like, "You don't suppose, you know?" And at that moment, did you pick up what it was that she was putting down? No, that he had done it deliberately. I didn't at yeah. all. I mean, it was a complete surprise to me when I heard it at the end of the episode. Yeah, I, was I mean, like, it's a very quick moment. Yeah. Then she has that wonderful, you know, bit at the end with the president where she tells him that she right. knows exactly what he did. You know, it occurs to me that even your choice of language was interesting. A 22 caliber mind in a 357 Magnum world. That's unusual for you, a gun metaphor. Toby mentioned to me that when each interview was over, all the interviewers wanted to talk to you about was Richie, and you took a pass each time until Philadelphia. Mr. President, is it possible you saw the green light was on? Um, and I also like how sly he is with that. Like, he doesn't admit anything. He just smiles at her, and then she's like, that was old school. So right. <laughs> I thought it was really kind of a nice this actually we open and close with this story which is a nice book ending for the episode yes but we don't spend a lot of time and energy on it you know we have this right. stuff going on and mm -hmm. you know and, and cj having to deal with the press and all of that um but we don't really 
look almost directly at it. It's kind of happening in the background while everything else is going on in this episode. Right. Um, so when you get that that reveal at the end where the mm-hmm. president, you know, like basically admits that he did this thing on purpose. Right. How did that make you feel about that whole storyline? To be honest, I was a little confused, mm-hmm. but then I sort of like thought about it and I realized what he was doing because CJ said something about like, you know, now everybody's talking about how stupid Richie is and they're not paying attention to you because it was an accident. Like, right. you don't take a hit. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a very interesting, like, political move that he mm-hmm. made. Um, and I also thought the way it was happening so subtly in the background, while there were all these other moving parts and scenes and dialogues and all this other nonsense going on was Mm -hmm. definitely really cool and really subtle. So it definitely kind of took me by surprise and I really liked it. I think it was a good... I thought it was really cool. The thing that I love is that we open up in that opening, right? We have him dealing with all of these people, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these these satellite feeds and all these various newsrooms, you know? And the first one, we see the red light, Uh and he refuses to say anything about Richie, right? Right. And it's only when the green light remains on. Because he knew, he knew somebody was going to do that deliberately to try to catch him. Yes. And it was in that, like, he planned that whole thing. And it was so, and it was so nicely done um and at the end you know cj calls back to that because she says toby said that you um that you never said anything when the light was red but the one time it's green that's when you say something the one time you you know you're on a hot mic you know um and it was really nice i also like too that we've got this um you know whose fault it is you know uh josh is talking to sam and he's like how could you let this happen he's like i wasn't even there you know (laughs) and uh and they're saying it's not toby's fault either but whenever anybody outside of the building comes in sam's like yeah yeah i screwed up you know? right <laughs> a nice kind of subtle uh moment for sam stepping up you know yeah. which i thought was really pretty cool um so for me i i loved how subtly um and yet purposefully that entire uh storyline was set and then to have that reveal at the end that quick right. reveal at the end and in the beginning you know i was like did he do that on purpose because, you know, I've worked in television. So, like, anybody who has any experience with TV knows the red light, green light. Like, you right. just, you know, you know what that means, you right. know? Um, and he's a savvy guy. So, so for me, I think I was always suspicious that he did it on purpose because it seemed a little weird that he would do that accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love how purposefully it's drawn to have that reveal at the end. I think it's really beautifully written. Yes. I like that a lot. And it made me, you know, like Jed Bartlett even a little bit more. Yeah. Which is, which is you know, I mean, I like him a lot. Yeah, so this true. is one of the things that made me like him a lot more. So that was a lot of fun. Um, all right. So the other thing that we've got going on in this episode is Toby flirting with the U.S. Poet mm, Laureate. Yes. So I think you've got a few thoughts. What, do you, what are your thoughts on this? To be honest, I thought it was kind of uncomfortable, in particular how it starts with C.J., being like, oh, you need, somebody needs to deliver this, like, bad political news to Tabitha, and she asks Toby to get Sam to do it, and then Toby is like, no, 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 I'll take care of it. (laughs) And it's this whole thing where he does it specifically so he can flirt with this woman. Is it possible you've got a little touch of the poet? Or would like a little touch of the poet? Yes. And I thought that was, like, a little bit weird and uncomfortable for me. <laughs> but then also, like, when he's talking to her, it feels like he's very patronizing. I've seen what I've seen. And I've been told what I've been told. And I have an audience with the person who can do something about it. To smile for a photo op and recite 64 couplets on the American experience? That's treasonous. Can we stop with the drama? 
Toby. Tabitha, you don't know what you're doing. This isn't kid stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he also said, had a really icky line when he was talking to CJ about her. That was, she's a poet. She's new to things like consequences. Mm-hmm. And I just, it just felt to me like he wasn't really treating Tabitha like his intellectual equal. And Tabitha was sort of written like she wasn't, especially with this whole uh, very emotional reaction she had with the landmines and it sort of feels like they're taking that emotional bias and making her opinion less valid because of it yeah it's funny because in a lot of these episodes of jed bartlett is my president i end up coming up against this whole idea of how we talk about women and what happens when we talk about women (laughs) and in this episode i feel like she's not being stereotyped as a woman i feel like she's being stereotyped as a poet yes i feel like she's being treated like an intellectual you you know, inferior and and, and and an emotional, you know, whack job. Right. Because she's a poet. Okay. You know, so for me, that felt a little weird to me because it, it, it was it was a different kind of thing. Because I do like, you know, um we we get this this moment where uh where Toby brings her into the office uh-huh. and she basically is completely upfront about the landmine thing. hundred and forty two countries have signed it, eighty four have ratified, twelve destroyed their entire stock. Yes. You know who hasn't signed it? Us and Cuba. You know who initiated it? Us. And the nations of the world rallied around it in yet another impressive display of American leadership. And then? We bolted. She's all up in his face. She has the facts. She has the information. She's going toe-to-toe with Toby. And I actually really like that. Yeah. That he had a crush on her before he met her, Mm -hmm. that when Sam passed him in the office, you know, he, like, pulls her away from Sam because, well, because Sam... Is, is a magnet and women yes. are iron filings, you know, around that place. <laughs> but, you know, he very possessively like pulls her away from Sam so that she doesn't get distracted because obviously she's a woman and, and she cannot control herself around Rob Lowe, you right. know, um, which, <laughs> which is, you know, kind of crazy. So he pulls her into the office and he's he's flirting with her. And the thing, I guess, like I mean, I guess he, he might have seen her around before. He mm-hmm. might have even even maybe met her. Although I think this is the first time, like in the beginning, I think this is the first time they've actually met. Maybe he's seen her on TV, maybe something and he decided he like had a crush on her or whatever. Um, but I really actually liked once they started arguing. Mm-hmm. Because for Toby, I think that would be foreplay, like right. argument and intellectual debate. You know, I don't think that Toby would ever actually want to be with a woman who agreed with him on anything. You know, right. I think he would want a woman who who challenges him and who is is his intellectual equal. We see some of that from Tabitha mm-hmm. in parts of this story. Yes. But then in other parts, Mm -hmm. she's the flighty poet, you know, um, who's who has an emotional breakdown in Georgetown. And I mean, this is the thing, like she um, we have her being really smart, making all these great arguments, you know, going toe to toe with Toby. Then suddenly in the middle of one of these discussions, she's like, I can't talk about this anymore. I've got to do this thing at Georgetown. Then she goes to Georgetown and she's reading poems, Mm -hmm. you know, and has this emotional breakdown and cannot continue her lecture and wanders outside and tells them to call Toby. Right. That is weird. The whole thing is weird. The whole thing is weird. And it makes her look flighty and unprofessional yeah you know which i really don't particularly care for Mm -hmm. but i don't feel like it's because she's a woman this is like the one time where i feel like you know it's (laughs) not because she's a woman i think it's because she's a poet yeah you know maybe 
Especially because all the other women in this episode are treated so well, like CJ and Donna. Yeah. When they're telling off Josh for his whole oh, thing yeah. on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like, that was really refreshing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. At the same time, it did feel a little bit like it was because she was a woman, especially when right. she had those hysterical fits. Would we have had a male poet? Right. Would we have had a male poet break exactly. down in the middle? You know, And yes. I mean, she had been through a personal trauma, mm-hmm. but it seems to me like the time when she's going to share that information yeah. you know, would be when she's actually talking about the landmines and be like, did you see a little boy get blown up? I saw a little boy get blown up. Like right. when she's talking about the landmines, you know? But instead, she has the emotional breakdown while she's doing her thing, which is poetry, mm-hmm. you yes. know? And I mean, as, as somebody who has a vocation about which she's very passionate Mm -hmm. even when my entire life is falling apart if I'm working you know I'm in it like that's when Mm -hmm. that's when I'm okay you know and so the the one thing that that I found to be really um really kind of weird and and it hit that false note with me was this idea that she can't conduct herself as a professional when she's giving a talk because his discussion of landmines has upset her so much. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand she had a personal experience, like, and I understand the personal trauma. And I definitely, like, you know, think it's cool that she brings that up with Toby and she talks to him Mm -hmm. about it. And also that she waits to talk to him about it until, you know, she feels a little safer, that she can be vulnerable and express this, you know, experience. Mm -hmm. But it, it does read a little bit and I think you're right if it had been a male poet Mm -hmm. I don't think we would have done that yeah you know so I think part of it is the fact that she's female and a poet you know um so overall the I like that Toby had a crush Mm -hmm. it was fun to see him kind of you know I liked that that he went toe-to-toe you know that she went toe-to-toe with him and that they had this like back and forth and I thought that that was great but overall this was, I think, probably my least favorite part of the whole episode. Yeah, me too. And, I mean, I find it especially... Because, like, she's obviously sort of his inferior during the whole episode when they're arguing back mm-hmm. and forth. And then there's, like, this one moment where Toby pre- presents her with, like, a political reality. Mm-hmm. If you stand up in the president's face, that's going to be the story. And nobody's going to care about what you care about. Nobody is going to care about what you care about. And it'll be bad for you, for us, for the landmines, everybody. Can we just not talk for a minute? That I feel like if he had presented that political reality to anybody else in the West Wing, they would have handled it fine and they would mm-hmm. have continued their intellectual debate. But it's at that point when she's presented with like the truth yeah. about what is going mm-hmm. to go down that she freaks out. She and can't says, handle I can't reality. Right. Yes. I, can't, I can't talk to you about this anymore. Right. And she does this very kind of like, you know, temperamental artist hissy fit. Yeah. Right. Um, which given everything else that we like the first part of this episode, mm-hmm. she's there, she's got data, she's got points, right. she's got this whole thing you know and then all of a sudden she like can't handle life anymore and it feels it feels really inconsistent you know Mm -hmm. um and we also have this moment with toby too that i didn't particularly care for so you know what i was thinking might be fun if i came to the white house dinner and shut the hell up that's not what i was gonna say at all what were you gonna say if you came to the dinner, wore a beautiful dress and shut the hell up. And I understand how that's supposed to be, you know, charming and flirtatious. There is 
an issue sometimes with the way in which Aaron Sorkin writes flirting. <laughs> yes. Um, which is something that I've, I've addressed, you know, more than once on this podcast and more than once just yeah. in general. Um, but it is one of these things that, you know, that feels like he's not speaking to her as an equal. Yes. You know, he's speaking to her as a woman that he likes and in that case does not see her as his equal. And I think mm-hmm. that Toby especially out of everybody yes that toby would be the guy who would would only be interested in somebody he viewed as his equal Mm -hmm. and would treat them with respect like i just feel like that's toby so for me it didn't give me the best impression of of toby right it didn't make me feel you know real great about toby Mm -hmm. um and while i liked tabitha in the first you know half of her appearances Mm -hmm. the second half she loses everything entirely you know and it all falls apart so um so i don't know like i'm torn there's a lot of stuff that i really really enjoyed Uh about this whole thing i love toby with his tie trying to look nice (laughs) you know um but there was a lot of it that i felt was uh was just beneath like both the west wing and toby and did you get the sense at all that toby was like going kind of soft on her like if you see toby arguing intellectually with any of the other west wing characters right in particular the male he's males he's like really aggressive and really puts himself out there pretty like shamelessly and without right concern. he doesn't pull his and punches. then he doesn't yeah he mm-hmm. doesn't pull his punches with tabitha he's very soft and gentle with her and he which handles shows... her like a hysterical woman exactly which shows right. a lack of respect yeah right you know i mean and the thing is that for toby of all people mm-hmm. you know I, I would want him to be with somebody he respects right you know and doesn't see as as a hysterical woman who he has mm-hmm. to speak very slowly and softly to because yes. you know she might go off her ovaries right. could explode at any moment you just don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> right. you know um so yeah so i find that i found it to be like i I liked it in a lot of ways and then i was really disappointed in it in a lot of ways and laura dern laura dern is the actress Mm who um who plays uh tabitha fortis and and you're too young to know laura dern but i grew up with laura (laughs) dern um and there's something about the the flippy hair and Mm -hmm. the way like her head always seems to be tilted to the side like a dog who can't quite understand what you're saying you know um (laughs) there's something in that performance that felt weird to me Mm -hmm. i don't know if you picked up on that too i didn't really but now that you mention it it does seem a little a right. little strange yes well she opens up with this am i being weird right off the bat am i uh, really weird right off the bat do you want to be no then you're not i think you're just being nice i think if you ask around you'll discover that's unlikely but, but he's totally nice with her. This but he episode. is. He's totally. Yeah. He's he's totally soft. He's yes. pulling his punches. He's not. You know. And I mean, if Toby's going to be with somebody, it's got to be somebody he can go toe to toe with. Now, right. I myself mm-hmm. have come out as a CJ Toby shipper. Yes. <laughs> I have never felt that Danny Concano was anywhere near worthy of CJ. And mm-hmm. the women that Toby's with, no. But Toby <laughs> and CJ. Yes. He goes toe to toe with her. He respects the hell out of her. Like. That's who he should be with, and that's yes. who she should be with. Uh-huh. And so I'm, I'm just saying, I am a CJ Toby shipper, and and that's just that's just where I stand on this. Right. You know, <laughs> Toby needs somebody who will not take any of his nonsense. Yes. You know, and who he knows he can go toe to toe with. So, so overall, I'm, I, you know, uh, the Tabitha Fortis character does not come back. 
So okay. so apparently that romance is dead, right. which I think is good. I think it should be staked through the heart and yes. shoved onto the third rail of any, you know, uh, railroad and run over by a train. So that's how I feel about it. All right. Um, but uh, but, you know, it was it was it was kind of fun and funny in the moments and there was some good back and forth. And of course, you know, anything written by Aaron Sorkin is always going to have fantastic dialogue. So there yes. are some things to enjoy about it. Yeah, definitely. And Toby having a crush on the poet is very cute. It's very cute. I know. <laughs> so speaking of cute. Yes. Oh, my God. Let's go to LemonLimon.com. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about this? Um, I thought it was hilarious, for one thing. <laughs> um, I also found it, like, fascinating that we have crazy people on the internet having intellectual arguments about the government and about this random senator, which they know because why. And um, What senator? Oh, I, I, sorry, I don't know uh, Josh Lyman's oh, position no, in government. Oh, no, he's deputy chief of staff. He's deputy chief of staff. Right. So these crazy guy. people on the internet are obsessing about the deputy chief of staff, mm-hmm. who I didn't even know what his place in the government was because mm-hmm. that's so obscure to me and I right. know nothing about government. Well, you're 18. You're learning. You're <laughs> learning. Absolutely. So, like, it just sort of uh, came across as really um, sort of bizarrely hilarious that these crazy internet people were obsessing over Josh Lyman, of all people. And yet, like, okay, now this is the thing. Like, back in 2002, yeah? you were just a wee babe. All right? right, so let me explain to you. Okay. Let me mom-splain. All, all right. right? <laughs> um, so, back then, the internet was just starting like um and it was it was kind of this new wild frontier and people were i mean i was on the internet but i was one of like the early adopters like i was on the internet in like 1996 and a lot of people still weren't then um but this was when it was just starting to get to where like it rep like looks like what it looks like today at first it was all nerds and and weirdos and just nerds and weirdos and your average people weren't on this is the point where like almost everybody had had onboarded at some point onto the internet and that was where the crazy internet stuff was happening and of course you know the west wing being on television at this time had fan sites and this was obviously like a reference to how incredibly strange it is to see these crazy people being crazy about your work you know online um, so I thought that that was really fun. Like for me, it was it was really funny. This whole thing right. that like Donna has to explain what the internet <laughs> is, and that Donna has to explain everything to Josh. And um, one of the things that I really love about this is uh, there's this thing. I think I've talked to you about it mm-hmm. uh, called the Teladonna, yes. right? Which is where we have the the walk and talk, and a man explains something to a woman. Mm-hmm. Most often, it is Josh explaining something to Donna, right? right? So in this episode, what I love is that we have a series of reverse tele. Donna's. Yes. Right? This is Telejosha's. Telejosha. <laughs> right. This is the one where Donna is explaining the internet to Josh, or at least trying to. And of right. course, he doesn't listen to anything. LemonLimon.com. What is it? It's your fan site. What are you talking about? There's a website devoted to all things Josh. You're kidding me. No. LemonLimon.com. You have fans, Josh. Not many of them from the looks of it, but what they lack in numbers, they more than make up for in fervor. Um, it's it's kind of adorable. I love when she just, like, first tries to explain it to him. <laughs> Donna? Yeah? Sit down. We're going to post a response on the site. What site? LemonLimon.com. No. Yeah, we got to post a response to someone. It's a bad idea. Why? You don't know these people. Neither do you. Oh, yes, I do. What's wrong with them? 
Nobody knows. These are people taking a very healthy interest in government. They should be applauded. Then applaud them, but stay off the site. These are the people talking. I'm not an elitist. You are an elitist. I am an elitist, but I have respect for people who don't measure up. People on these sites tend to be a little hysterical. We got to correct something. And so I love Let's watch what happens now, right. you know, and she knows exactly what's going to happen. She knows that these mm-hmm. people are completely insane. <laughs> and uh, and what I love about the way that this is written is the dialogue is all great. I love the fact that we have a reverse Teladonna, yep. you know, where Donna knows what's going on. Donna's hip to everything. And Josh <laughs> is completely clueless. And I love that. Um, and I love that we see this gradual descent into madness for Josh, <laughs> you know, um, all the way down to where, you know, he's gone around the bend and mm-hmm. he needs a yoo-hoo right um and then you know the whole time donna is like you got to do this energy plan you got to do this energy plan focus on the energy plan and then finally at the end he turns that around and says yeah now we've got to focus on this energy plan like 10 <laughs> minutes before the meeting that he's going to go into and then we have cj mm-hmm. being amazing yes coming and putting josh in his place <laughs> that scene i know oh, it's so good she sets him down <laughs> Let me explain something to you. This is sort of my field. The people on these sites, they're the cast of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The muumuu-wearing parliament smoker, that's Nurse Ratchet. When Nurse Ratchet is unhappy, the patients are unhappy. You, you're McMurphy. You swoop in there with your card games and your fishing trips. I didn't swoop in. I came in exactly the same way everybody else did. Well, now I'm telling you to open the wardroom window and climb on out before they give you a prefrontal lobotomy and I have to smother you with a pillow. So I love this. Now, you haven't read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You haven't been assigned that in school, have you? No, I haven't. That reference went completely over my head so you didn't get all those pop culture references yeah okay that's 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 okay we'll talk about it someday but basically you know that was that's a pop culture reference to a book that i had to read in high school but i don't know if you will maybe next year we'll see (laughs) (laughs) but anyway you'll get it then (laughs) but it still worked for you the way that she set him down even with the pop culture reference you couldn't understand yes it definitely did yeah so it was it was fun i love the shoving the motherboard so far up your ass yes i'm chief bromden yes at this particular moment i'm assigning an intern from the press office to that website they're going to check it every night before they go home if they discover you've been there i'm going to shove a motherboard so far up your ass what well technically i outrank you so far up your ass okay okay that was good i love that line i mean she is just putting him in his place which is really really wonderful and i absolutely love that all right so one of the other topics Mm -hmm. that i want to discuss here because we have reverse Teladonnas. Yes. You know, we have the women understanding things mm-hmm. and, and going toe-to-toe with these guys. Yep. This is, out of all the ones that I've watched for this show, mm-hmm. probably one of the best written from the perspective of this, this concept mm-hmm. that women are just people. Yes. And they can be smart and they can be capable. Right. And uh, and it doesn't have to be like this amazing thing that this woman is capable. We just simply right. take it as read because exactly. women can be capable and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so I actually felt like this was a real step forward, uh, especially for Aaron Sorkin, mm-hmm. who has had some issues writing yes. women, you know, um, and, and, and that's okay because he's a genius. So I will accept <laughs> some amount of human, you know, foils from him. Um, but CJ, in this, I think that this out of like all of the episodes, this is the episode where CJ is CJ. She's capable. She's competent. She's handling everything. Um, we go into the office with her, with Sam and Josh in the beginning, right after the president's gaffe. And Sam is like, I don't know what to do. And Josh is like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, okay, this is what we do. Nice. Yeah. There's a head fake towards contrition. And we hold our heads high. All right. 
Good. We'll see how it goes. Why do you suppose this one's so hard to spin? Because it's the classic Washington scandal. We screwed up by telling the truth. All right. Let's try not to do that that much. And when the president watches her on TV handling it, uh-huh. saying, you know, the president said something he shouldn't have said, as we all have at one time or another, you know, handling it so beautifully. And he compliments her. He's like, she's really good, you know. Right. Um, but it's not like, oh, my God, do you see how cute this woman is? And she's yes. so good at her job. And isn't that amazing? No big these women speech. I know. Right? Like, good at her job while in yes. possession of ovaries. Like, you know, yes. it's, nobody's shocked about it. It's right. just she's good. You know, he, he speaks about her in the same way he would speak about anybody else. So while we've had and I mean week to week to week I come back to this show and I always end up doing this whole you know song and dance about oh my god the women and we shouldn't talk about the women. This episode for the most part with the exception of some of the Tabitha Fortis stuff I think yes. really lands on all of these issues really well. Yeah. So what did you think of CJ? I thought CJ was amazing this episode. She handled everything beautifully when she did the meeting. Like, every time somebody asked her a question, she dodged it really gracefully and artfully. Mm-hmm. Um, Except was, for this one yeah. time. Right? The one time right. in the middle. CJ, could you give it to us unvarnished? Was the president calling Governor Richie stupid? Oh, my God. Day three. <laughs> was he? Well... I think this one may be unspinnable, and that's certainly saying something coming from my office. Yeah, he was calling him stupid. How's his mood been the last few days? Has he regretted it? He hasn't been able to feed or bathe himself. Right? Right. Which seems to me like a thing that you you can't say as yeah. the press secretary that's like some she's she's being the funny press secretary exactly. but she's not exhibiting the the competence that we see from her everywhere else in this episode. At the same time though, like I mean She's right. It's not spinnable. Like, <laughs> right. But you don't say that to the press. Like, right. So, I mean, here's the thing like, that, that thing, that bit was beautifully written. Yes. It's wonderful dialogue. It's brilliant. It's fun. It's right. lively. It's funny. Uh-huh. It's great. It's wonderfully written. But it makes CJ look bad. I guess so. I mean, she's, she's not, like, she's hilarious, but yes. she's not doing open mic night. You know, I yeah. mean, she is the press secretary and she has to stand by that same line whenever she's in with the press. Because the thing is that you cannot, and this is one of the things that, like, is, you know, reality is no defense for fiction, nor right. is it a condemnation for fiction, as you've heard your entire life from me yes. and everybody else has heard me say a thousand times. So, I mean, it's, it's, that's not the problem that, you know, that she, that no press secretary can make jokes like that. You have to be very careful about how you joke with these people because if they put your words on paper and it sounds, and somebody reads it as sincere, that can go very, very wrong for you. And a lot of these are print journalists. And so you have to be, if they can quote you directly exactly what you said, but without tone and inflection and all the context, then that can really bite you in the butt. So anybody who's dealing with the press is going to have to take that into consideration. And CJ is smart. She knows how to deal Mm -hmm. with the press, you know? So when she comes out and says, yes, he was calling him stupid like right. you know that that felt to me like a misstep it was a great dialogue mm-hmm. it was funny it was wonderfully written but yes. it's a misstep for cj all right you know that's that's my argument i'm gonna stick to it okay so we have another reverse teledonna uh-huh with cj explaining things to charlie now yes. charlie does get on the the butt end of the teledonnas mm. uh, as often as any man does i think he probably does and i think it's because of his youth yes he's young and he doesn't understand everything yet and so we have right. to explain things to him and and i think that that's you know that's okay because we obviously have to have somebody has to explain these things to somebody somebody right. has to make the argument to somebody um and and it would be nice if it wasn't all 
always, you know, to the women because yes. the because the women are mostly, with the exception of CJ, the women are all secretaries and assistants mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And and Charlie is the only, I think, male assistant. Right. You know, without without having a high level. So it's all of the people at that level that end up getting spoken to, you know, mm-hmm. like ex- having having things explained to them. Um, but CJ's discussion with Charlie over Anwar, I yeah. thought was really, really cool. What did you think about that? I I thought that was definitely interesting. It seemed strange to me that Charlie took the position that he did because it seems so obvious, especially when he's talking about drilling in Alaska. Maybe that can be when you can explain your problem with drilling and waffle oil. Huh? If we want to be energy independent, if you've been relying too long on foreign oil, what's wrong with drilling in Alaska? It will do huge and lasting damage to the environment and will not in the long run reap that much oil. It will have zero impact on the environment. And he says it will have zero impact on the environment when that is so obviously untrue. <laughs> like, uh, drilling for oil is obviously going to have an impact on the environment. Right. Like, As we've seen yes. millions of times. That, I mean, and you, you know, don't need, like, hundreds of scientific studies, which there are, to right. back that up to know that. It just feels like common sense to me. Right. I right. mean, because the thing is that, you know, everything doesn't go great with these drilling, you know, expeditions. Mm-hmm. There's oil spills and there's always, 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 even without all of the other things that absolutely will happen from drilling yes. if everything goes great. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of something going wrong, something will go wrong eventually with right. every single one of them. Yes. Every single one of them is going to have a problem eventually, you know, especially as we deregulate the people who are supposed to be looking after this stuff, you know, right. uh, which is something that would happen in the future from this the time that this aired. But yeah, um, that that happened. So. So we have this this whole thing with Charlie. Charlie takes complete, you know, position with Governor Ritchie that, you know, we're exploring and we got to find the oil and we don't know how much is going to be there. Um, CJ requests one piece of paper, mm-hmm. hands it to him, and he's like, oh, no, you're right. You're totally right. <laughs> like, <laughs> it makes it look like Charlie is highly impressionable. Yes, it really does. Especially, like, that he just reads... Uh, Governor Richard's book, who mm-hmm. obviously is not the brightest man. Um, well, but he, he said whoever ghosted it was right. was was whoever good. Ghosted whoever ghost it. wrote okay. it was good. So right. the person who ghost wrote it might have been, you know, um, smart. Yes, might have been very good. And so you can understand that. And maybe it is, you know, maybe there are some compelling arguments, you know, mm-hmm. for that side. And also, you know, energy independence and all that kind of yeah. stuff is always a thing. And um, and there are definitely like you know sides to that argument. But I mm-hmm. think that the the Anwar, you know. Um, discussion, uh, which was actually happening at this time. We were living in Alaska when they were arguing Anwar, and I remember all of that stuff because I was working at a news station at the time, and so that was a big deal. (laughs) Um, People were talking about that a lot. Um, But, uh, but, you know, I mean, this this fun back and forth with CJ and Charlie is really, really cute. So as a matter of cold fact, Chipper, you'll see that it's the porcupine caribou and Anwar's their calving ground, and you can't put a price tag on that, but that's hardly the point. 36 species of fish, 36 land mammals, 160 different bird species. I admit, this is a lot of wildlife. Well, forget the wildlife. It hurts flesh and blood subsistence hunters in the area, changes migratory patterns in ways we don't even understand, increases freezing depths of rivers and lakes. And the emissions from drilling. Welcome home. It'll cause pollutant haze and acid rain and all this in exchange for... Not a lot of oil to begin with. So we've talked about CJ and her incredible competence. We've talked about Donna and how she's handling this whole thing with Josh, which I thought was 
just terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about Ainsley Hayes. Yeah. And how she came in in this whole discussion with Sam about, you know, having an educated president president, and whether or not mm-hmm. it's elitist to say your president should be smart. What did you think yeah. of this? Uh, I thought I was completely on Sam's side the whole time. Yes. <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of the stuff that Ainsley Hayes said was pretty appalling. Um, <laughs> like, okay, yes, there was one quote where she said, It's, it's elitist, geocentric, Ivy League snobbery to think if you haven't written six journal articles on monetary support mechanisms, you're not fit to lead. We're the belief that if you're going to set policy, it'd be a bonus to understand it. And at this point, we'd be astonished to discover that Rishi had read as many as six journal articles on anything other than athletic support mechanisms. And I thought, no, it's not snobbery. It's just good for you to understand these government functions if you're going to lead the government. It's, like, right. <laughs> right. it's, about, it's about being qualified yes. to do the job. Exactly. Like, you would expect somebody to have written, you know, six position papers if they're yes. going to apply for a speechwriter or yeah. if they're going to be anywhere in the government. But to lead, all he has to do is have folksy charm. Is yes. I mean, I think that there is definitely an argument to be made that there there is... Um, intellect that exists outside of traditional, you know, sources of of education, Um, that you don't have to go to Harvard in order to be, I think, you know, good enough to be president. You don't have to, you know, have to go to one of those Ivy League schools. mm -hmm. But I think that you do have to be smart. You should be, I want my president to be smarter than me. And I want him to be educated, too. Like, I appreciate what she's saying about, like, Ivy League snobbery and whatever. Yes. Um... But I feel like if you're going to lead a whole country with all of the economic, weird, political nonsense that comes mm-hmm. with that, you have to understand all the weird economic, political nonsense that comes with that. You have to understand right. what's happening and how to work with it. Well, you have to understand as much as you can. Like, you know, yeah. Jed Bartlett is an economist, so his specialty is in the economy. And then mm-hmm. one point that Ainsley brings up is this idea of you have advisors, right? Yeah. Because you can't, obviously, one person cannot right. completely understand absolutely everything and all of its intricate detail and you do need advisors but i think that you also really need to have a strong command of of what the basic issues are yeah you know without it it coming down to some kind of you know folksy uh folksy response to to these issues you know that this is a guy you want to go have a beer with and at the time that this episode aired of course george w bush was president and that was the big thing that he was folksy Mm -hmm. um he was the governor of texas um at the time so this time you know richie is the governor of florida but he's obviously you know a a stand-in for george w bush and for that kind of folksy charm this this guy you want to go have a beer with you know and like there are a lot of people I'd like to go have a beer with. I don't want them all running my country. Exactly. You know, like I want somebody who is smart, who is way, way smarter yes. than me. Um, and so I think that I like this argument. I like Sam and mm-hmm. Ainsley Hayes going back and forth. Um, and I love it in the end when um, when he basically, you know, calls her out on it and right. says, "Nobody's saying a president needs to have a tenured chair in semiotics, but you have to have what gravitas." How do you measure that? You don't, but we know it when we see it. And Republicans tend to mock it when they do. You think I'm wrong? I do not. No, you don't. And the way I know you don't is I saw you say so on television. Right. <laughs> Which yes. I really, really liked. And she she agrees with him. Uh, one thing that I thought that you might appreciate. Uh-huh. 
is when Sam has that line that inspired something from your uh, favorite musical, yes. Hamilton. Because before I look for anything, I look for a mind at work. Um, I love that line. That I was know. a great line. <laughs> Looking for a mind at work. I love that, uh, you know, for those of you who, who may not be uh, familiar, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote Hamilton mm-hmm. um, and uh, and is an incredible genius, is a huge fan of the West Wing and actually has pulled quite a few lines um, from, uh, like, you know, to be in the room where it happens is yeah. one of them. Um, How the Sausage Gets Made is another one um, from the West Wing. He pulled a lot of, like, little lines as references to the West Wing that he put into... Um, into Hamilton the musical and if you haven't listened to Hamilton the musical just go do that now because yes. you really need to do that because um, it's amazing so I, I love that we we bounced off of one of these lines that I'm looking for a mind at work and I yes. love that yes. I love that and I think it's exactly what you should be looking for mm-hmm. you know in your president you want somebody who is who is really there doing the work thinking the right. thoughts um, and you know I liked also Ainsley as a woman yes you know once again you know she comes back from this vacation mm-hmm. which with the most adorable luggage i know oh the my ladybug gosh, luggage the red polka the dots the red polka dots on the black Ugh. i love that luggage i want that luggage i have to find that <laughs> luggage if anybody knows where i can buy that luggage please send me a link oh my god it was adorable um so yeah that's that was my thing too i, I actually had to rewind and watch the scene because i was paying so much attention he's carrying her luggage through the thing and <laughs> And I was paying so much attention to the adorable polka dot luggage that I, I kind of, you know, missed some of the stuff that was being said. So I had to go back. Um, and it was just more argument about, you know, elitism. And uh, and of course, you know, he brings up the fact that she went to Harvard, right. you know, um, which I thought was was a nice little notice for her that you expect yourself to be qualified to do this job, to be yes. one of the president's advisors. Right. And yet you do not expect the president to be as smart as you are. Yes. You know, or to be as capable as you are. Um, so I thought that that was, uh, that was pretty cool. And, yeah. I, and I liked that too. Um, and the, the back and forth with, uh, with Sam and Ainsley was really well done. And I also really liked, I mean, it's one of the things, uh, Sam, <sighs> Sam has a speckled, romantic history throughout the run of the West Wing. They never really managed to get a good romance off the ground with Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that his chemistry with Ainsley Hayes, uh, played by Emily Proctor, who is one of the most adorable people on the planet and yes. so, so good in this role. Um, you know, I think that he and Ainsley Hayes are the ones that I ship the most. Right. Like this Ainsley Hayes is the one that I want Sam to be with. And they never made that happen. I don't know mm-hmm. if she got busy. She ended up moving over to she got a job on some other show or something like that um but it was such a shame because uh she's only in a handful of episodes she's fantastic in every one that she's in um i love the way that they write her um i love how incredibly smart she is and how capable she is and that she you know of course is one of the people to represent the the conservative viewpoint Mm -hmm. you know um most of the time which i don't agree with but at least usually she can represent it in a way that i can at least respect the argument she's making yes um so i like that she argues really well with sam and at the end when she concedes you know (laughs) that he's right Mm -hmm. um and that she does agree with him um i thought that that was really nice too yeah Okay, well, I guess that'll do it for this week's episode of Jed Bartlett is My President. Sadly, it's time to stop flirting with the U.S. Poet Laureate and get back to the real world where there's real work to be done. But before we part, I want to share with you the words of Martin Luther King Jr., who said, An individual has not started living until he can rise above the narrow confines of his individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity. 
Thank you, Sarah Schwalbe, for hanging out with me this week. It was really fun to have you on the show. It was really fun to be on the show. I had a great time. I know, and I'm very excited. This fall, Sarah and I are going to be hosting the Sassanax podcast, which we'll talk about Outlander. Um, so we're going to go over Outlander Season 1, Outlander Season 2, and review nice. those maybe in one, maybe in two episodes. We'll see. And then we're going to start talking about Outlander Season 3 when it comes back to stars in September. So that's going to be really fun. Yeah, that's I'm really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, and I will be back next week with Rob DiCristino of the film podcast The Ugly Club and our thoughts on episode five of season two, and it's surely to their credit, in which Republican lawyer Ainsley Hayes joins the White House staff. Until then, here's a word from your press secretary and mine, Ms. C.J. Craig. I've never asked him, but my guess is the president feels a person's college transcript is a reasonable barometer for how a person did in college. For the record, the president graduated summa cum laude from the University of Notre Dame with a major in American Studies and a minor in Theology. He received a master's and a doctorate at the London School of Economics and an honorary doctorate in Humane Letters from Dartmouth University, where he was a tenured professor. Jed Bartlett is My President is a Chipperish Media production. To get exclusive Chipperish content and access to a community of amazing people, go to patreon.com slash chipperish. All clips in this podcast were used under the fair use exemption for criticism and commentary of the U.S. Copyrights Act. 